open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. In this interview, I talk with Bobby Lee from Ballet Wallet. I'm looking for a product to do a job for me in a very specific use case. I want to give a $300 to $500 gift card or another de minimis amount to someone who's completely crypto asset illiterate. In fact, they might not even be born yet. And they will likely store this Bitcoin for many years. Perhaps it goes for their college fund. Consequently, I need it to be completely non-electronic so there's no potential failure. And I need complete deniability of any interaction with the private keys. That way, if there's any potential interaction in the future where the Bitcoins went missing or whatever, I have complete deniability and there's no potential awkwardness. In order to perform this particular job, I think the Ballet Wallet is perhaps the best product on the market that I'm aware of. If anybody has any others that they would suggest, please let me know. With that, on to the interview. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. This is going to be a tremendous one about uh, private key security and wallets. I have with me the CEO and founder of Ballet, Bobby Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Trace. Thanks to thanks for having me here. I'm really excited. I'm so happy to be here on your podcast. Yeah, awesome. So you're mostly known in the industry uh, as the CEO of BTC China. Um, Maybe you can tell us a little bit about this transition, these war stories uh, from you know getting out of the exchange business and into the wallet business. Interestingly, they're they're very similar. You know, you got custody. That's right. But the exchange business is is tough to yeah, say the least. Yeah, right? it, it is. So I um, I'm a veteran of the exchange business. I'm a bona fide veteran now of the exchange business. So people know me uh, primarily um, as the co-founder and CEO of BTC China. We, we later renamed ourselves as BTCC. So BTC China got started in 2011 and uh, uh, it was a, it was the very first Bitcoin exchange in China. So it got started really early. My co-founders put up that website and by 2013, late 2013, we actually became the world's largest by trading volume. We surpassed Mt. Gox, I think, in October, November 2013. And uh, uh, be- besides that, Mt. Gox collapsed soon after, and then we had the dubious honor of being the world's <laughs> longest running. So that was a dubious honor because uh, you know what, what it means, right? After you're next, <laughs> we're next. You're, you're, right, the, right. you're the next duck up. <laughs> and sure enough, if you if you fast forward a little bit, by 2017 we had to shut down our China exchange. Uh, in October, in September, October 2017, we had to shut it down due to regulatory pressure. So, so now not only am I a veteran, I'm proud to say that I'm probably one of the only executives who has ever ran a Bitcoin exchange, became one of the world's largest, and then successfully shut it down cleanly where we gave everyone the money back. No one ever lost their money on BTC China. They were all able to get their money back, no hacking, none whatsoever. So I'm very proud to be, to be able to say that I was very responsible in that regards. I think many of the exchanges running today, it's not clear that they can unwind down 
clearly and prop, uh, properly. Yeah, proof of keys. Absolutely, proof <laughs> of keys. Yeah. So I took that responsibility very seriously. I mean, I have a I have a tech background. Running exchanges really, really tough, especially when there's no regulation. That means there's no um, no no what they call barrier to entry. So people do crazy things, uh, report fake volumes, and just like a very sliding scale, what you do, what you don't do, to copy the competitors. Now, th- this was very difficult to do in the early days to actually custody Bitcoin. I mean, yeah. even Bitcoin, uh, it, the QT wallet would only generate 100 random private keys, not That's even right. hierarchically deterministic. There's no cold storage. Like, what did you do for your custody solution running the largest Bitcoin exchange yep. early on in the in the industry? Yeah, for the hot wallets, we ran the Bitcoin QT, the core software, and uh, we had to modify it to extend it. And we ended up with wallet files in the gigabytes of size. And we had to have multiple installations of those. But for a cold storage, we actually relied on Armory. So oh, back wow. in 2013, Armory, huh? absolutely, Armory was our friend. It was my my personal uh, software for my personal Bitcoins, and I also used it for our company, for BTC China. So in the very early days, I worked with Alan. Uh-huh. Uh, we, we got in touch with him, and we used uh, Armory for our cold storage days. We had offline computers you know, secured in bank vaults with Armory, seeds, and all that stuff. So it was really cool. We loved that watch-only aspect. And all that. Yeah. Do, you, do you think you were the only guys doing that, or no? A lot, I think a lot of companies use Armory back in the 2013, 14 days. Yeah, I Absolutely. mean, just core infrastructure uh, for custody of the keys to yeah. keep everybody's coins safe. Yes, yeah, it was a gold standard, right? Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, it still is a, a in terms of a Swiss Army knife for how you can interact with Bitcoin and whatnot. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that was helpful uh, running. Yeah, even BTC for, China. Even for our, we, we launched a web wallet called Picasso, and the back end infrastructure we used Armory for that as well. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. Um, okay, so we're we're gonna talk about uh, Ballet, your new crypto wallet. Uh, I actually think it's really cool, uh, really cool device. And you sh- you gave me you know kind of a personal tour of it all. I got yeah, to like demo. play around <laughs> with it like a demo, you know, and. Uh, what are some of the key features of it? What's the primary use case of, of the Ballet Wallet? Yeah, so after I sold my company in 2018, I sold BTCC two, two years ago. I was fortunate to get out of it uh, cleanly. And I spent a year on sabbatical. And over the last eight, nine years, I've met a lot of people. I've, I've encouraged all my friends and family to invest in Bitcoin as a digital asset that can appreciate over time. And what I realized is normal people, the newcomers, they don't have computer science degrees. They're not the nerds. They don't have, they're not the geeks. So they don't have the patience to deal with actual wallets, whether software or hardware wallets. And in the end, many of them come to me and say, Bobby, will you just hold on to my Bitcoins for me? Right? And I've done that over the years, custodying other people's Bitcoins, my friends and family. And I realized it's such a hassle and such a responsibility. What if, what if something happens to me? So finally, over that course of 2018, I thought I should build a better wallet that allows my friends and family, normal, regular people, smart people, college educated, but just not super tech savvy, for them to custody their own private keys in an easy solution that can, they can truly use themselves without expert assistance. So I set out to, to do that. And that was from my experience. I used my strong experience from BTCC where, where I was a coin maker for BTCC Mint. These were titanium coins that had the Bitcoin private key on a sticker, temper evidence sticker, like the Cassation coins. So I had two, three years of experience making those. In fact, we made over, I think, 22,000 coins from BTCC Mint wow. with a total value of 8,700 plus Bitcoins. Bitcoins BTC value. So today that's $80 million. Mm. Wow. 
And not, I took that job very seriously. Back then, it wasn't $80 million, but today right. it is. So I'm proud to say those coins have never been breached. They have never been swept uh, unauthorized. And the reason I know that is because I deleted all the private keys. I'm a public figure. I never. I had no intention to scam anyone. I don't have intention to scam anyone now. I deleted all the private keys. I can sleep at night. So yeah, that well, they, I mean, why would you want to be? Why would yeah, you become a target? Exactly, you know, that's a bad target. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> if somebody steals my private keys, they can sweep all the coins. That would be terrible. Yeah. So anyway, so the point of BTCC Mint is that that experience gave let me realize that physical bitcoins are actually the simple solution. Oh, to, they're to I newcomers. Mean, yeah, they're beautiful. I interviewed uh, Rodolfo about Open Dime. You know? Yes, and I mean, like the, these is really cool because the blockchain is immutable in in. You can't ever, you know, if you can have transactions happen below the base layer. Yes. Uh, Meaning then, in physical. Yeah, in physical. Yes. You know, you can have transactions that happen before the base layer. Exactly. Or transactions above the base layer in Lightning. You know, we, we got to think uh, when it comes to anonymity, privacy, fungibility, all these types of things, like how can we, you know, what are, what are our different options and solutions? And, and these physical objects are pretty cool. Yeah. If, if they can be made right. Yeah. So that's right. This morning, I was able to give you $10 in Bitcoin physically without your cooperation, without you having to tell me your address. I can just give you the physical Bitcoin like that. So that's amazing. That, yeah, was, so that could, was the could be totally like a gift card. Exactly. Exactly. So that experience at BTCC Mint allowed me to innovate and think about how to launch this new company. So I want to create a solution where we take that notion of a physical printed private key, sort of like a paper wallet, in a tamper-evident form, like a physical Bitcoin, like Cassatius, and then extend it to make it a wallet. Because think about physical Bitcoins traditionally in paper wallets, uh, you have to have a QR code on it to add more coins. But they some had QR codes, some didn't. But more importantly, you want to have multi-coin support. Today, we live in a multi-coin world. Well, yeah, you got some of these Cassatius coins that have uh, all types of forks attached with them. Absolutely. So you have forks of Bitcoin itself, and I want to have support for all the other popular coins like Ethereum, Litecoin, XRP, all the ERC20 tokens, and so on and so forth. <laughs> I mean, shifting to a kind of a funny story, like, I, I would like to know how you learned about Litecoin. Oh, yeah. Since, that's, a since that's your brother, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, how much Litecoin so, <laughs> must you have? Like, if, if, That's right. That's right. So the, this, You guys were mining it together yeah, for so, six months or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish, I wish that were the case. So um, the Litecoin story is funny. Um, so obviously people now know Charlie is my brother. People still question me, are you like Charlie Lee? Like I tell him I'm I'm his brother. People like think that's crazy. How can you be Charlie's brother? But I am. I have pictures to show. You know, obviously I'm I'm his elder brother by two years. Um he he's very smart. He and I both studied math and computer science uh, very early on. And he went to MIT, I went on to Stanford. Um so the Litecoin story is this, okay? So we were by the way, I, I got into Bitcoin from Charlie in 2011, in the spring of 2011. And I got into mining from him. He was trying to offload, unload his his uh, mining equipment, <laughs> the, and I was a sucker. Like, okay, I'll buy it from you. I'll, I'll uh, buy yeah. your GPU. That's when exactly the right. Are coming out. Yeah, he, he, he was getting the. He was ordering the butterfly FPGAs. Oh, jalapenos. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I, I said, okay, I'll take your old GPUs. He sold them for me for like I forgot, it was like eight hundred dollars, and I, I brought them to China. So I, he was in the Silicon Valley, so I was mining in China. I had a room, you know, set up with my own rig, four GPU cars, <laughs> mining for the whole summer. I only got like $800 worth of Bitcoin, but that was actually 20 Bitcoins. Holy So cow. that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
looking back, that was I should have I should have kept that machine on for longer. Mm-hmm. But the Litecoin story, so that summer we actually switched to mining a separate coin called IO coin. So he told me, oh, there's a new coin coming out. We should mine that and sell it. You know. So he's always been an altcoiner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I followed him and mined IO coin for like three days, and then we, we switched back to BTC and sold that. I forgot how much I sold it for, but uh, it was just a few dollars or whatever. But um, later that year. 2011 in November, he apparently started Litecoin or October, November. I had no idea. I had no idea. So it wasn't until like two or three, two or two years later that one day he told me, Oh yeah, Litecoin. I started Litecoin. I'm like, what do you mean you started Litecoin? Like by then Litecoin was already in the vocabulary. We all knew about Litecoin. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh, he's a creator. I'm like, what? You're the creator. Like you? Like Charlie, you're, my, you're like the sole creator. I thought he was just a contributor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I thought he was just like, oh yeah, yeah. He was like a contributor on Litecoin, but he told me he was the one who started. I was like, whoa, the you know. chicken. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, that was in 2000. I think 2012, like a year later. Oh man, that's funny. So so that's why we have multi currency support in the uh, Valley Valley yeah, Wallet. Yeah. We unfortunately, you know, through the. Through the efforts of my brother, we, we we no longer live in the Bitcoin only world. That's true. I mean, yeah. we got we got we got all types of stuff: ripples and ethers and and Bitcoin caches, <laughs> the, yes. the real Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> we got Bitcoin gold. I mean, we got all all, all types kinds of coins. and all the tokens and all the utility tokens and the security tokens and all that stuff. So when we're dealing with like the innovations that you've made with with the Valley Wall, what are some of those that kind of help enable all of this support? You know, because because we're talking about being able to take a brand new person and going from zero to sixty, where they're custodying their private keys exactly in a cold storage, absolutely for multiple coins. I mean, this is really kind of wild I, compared I to like back in the day. You know, I am so happy. I, I I cannot tell you enough about how proud I am of this product. I I I don't want. Basically, we were able to create the world's first. Essentially, it's a glorified paper wallet. It's on a stainless steel card. But it's the technology is a paper wallet, but it has multi-coin support. That has never, ever been done before. Think about it. There's no paper wallet solution out there that has multi-coin support. Mm-hmm. And further, we're using BIP38 technology. This is invented by uh, Mike Caldwell you know, with Cassatius. BIP38 allows us to do a two-factor private key, meaning the private key is actually created through the use of a passphrase and an encrypted private key. You need those two pieces to create the actual private key. The analogy is, this may not be the best analogy, but I thought of it, it's like a sperm and an egg. In order to have the embryo, you have to fertilize the egg with the sperm. So what we have here on the on the ballet card is the sperm and the, e- and the egg in two different locations, the passphrase and the private key. And we never actually fertilize, meaning but- we don't digitally combine the two together. Yet we're able to make the public key and the deposit address through a BIP38 process. And in the way that you you the, the the fertilization happens is you scratch off and then combine the the encrypted private key with the password. Yeah, exactly. And you do that. The customer would do that in person using our app, or they could use open source BIP38 process. I'm very proud that this wallet is non-proprietary. Meaning that I've designed my company and myself out of the process. If one day something bad would happen to me or a company goes out of business, all the coins and the, the assets on the ballet wallets for everyone worldwide will still be safe because it is non-proprietary. You can always get it out yourself using BIP38 standardized software. And we even released our own software that does multi-coin support. It's open source on ballycrypto.org. It's open source on GitHub. It's like a Java JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. no, that's uh, very much like bitaddress.org. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just phenomenal because then uh, it removes a le- some trust from yeah. it. I mean, you're still you still had access to the private keys, though, right? Correct. Maybe you can help explain a little bit of yeah. this potential risk. Yeah. Uh, uh, area that's yeah. involved here. So we, I absolutely admit that our wallet, to use a wallet, you have to trust us as a vendor. But the reality, let me let me do a side story. The reality is anything physical, you have to trust a vendor. Okay, any hardware wallet, even a, a can of Coca-Cola, yeah. you have to trust them that they did not add rat poison into the Coca-Cola or mm-hmm. a bottle of water. Now, your question is why would they add rat poison? Of course they wouldn't add rat poison. That would be counter to the business model. For the same reason... Unless they're a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the same reason, we we don't... Our business model calls for us to not be a custodian. And we do not want to be a custodian. Because at BTCC, I ran... I built a mobile wallet called Mobi. That was a custodial wallet where people open accounts with us through mobile SMS, uh, mobile numbers. And we custody your Bitcoin. We make it easy for you. So with this... I no longer want to be custody. I, because being a custody, custodian, is so much responsibility. When well, now with uh, AML Directive 5 out of the EU, like you, you really don't want to be a custodial Absolutely. It's, wallet. It's, it's a huge regulatory nightmare. Yeah. Right? So I built Ballet, the company, and our product to be non-custodial from day one. Nice. So we do not – we delete – all the private key material as soon as we're done making it. In fact, we don't – so technically, we don't have the final private key. Like I said, we have the sperm and the egg which can make the embryo, but we don't actually fertilize it. These two pieces of electronic information never come into contact with each other electronically. They're never on the same device. No one has ever seen both pieces. And, and it could be possible that people, people could get a card where they provide the passphrase to you. Yeah, right? yeah, that, yeah, that's actually right. And, I, then, I, and then they're not trusting you at all. Well, th- there's always trust. I, I think there's a misnomer out there. People think that you can have a trustless physical device. There's no such thing. Even physical wallets, I don't want to name any brands, you're trusting them. They built it properly with no backdoors, with no extra malware, with no extra man-in-the-middle security chips, with functional chips that can last a while, with good firmware. You're trusting someone. There's no such thing as a trustless device. Well, and we, yeah, unless you're general purpose computer and then you're running code like Armory or Bitcoin Core or you're, something. You're, you're trusting the CPU maker. You're trusting the Well, that's why you firmware. get a <laughs> Well, you, you're trusting a lot. You're trusting the hardware. Even the Raspberry Pi, you're trusting the chips in there. You're trusting the bootloader. Mm. You're trusting the software yeah, I mean, operating pure, system. Yeah, Purism tries to make the entire stack from the free open source uh, software so that you're able to kind of but, verify but, all of it. Sure. Even though it's open source, you still have to trust it because you can verify it. Right. But even the verification, sometimes you overlook a bug, a critical security yeah. bug. Like, right. Open like, source does not mean like when the NSA had NIST compromise the constant. That's right. right. Like, that's right. I mean, yeah, oh you, you can have open source software with with random number generators that are faulty, that are not, not intentionally faulty, but in in hindsight, over time, you realize, oh my gosh, there was a huge mistake in the random number in generator. How the entropy is generated. All the then, entropy. Then your seed is compromised. exactly. It's compromised. It's, it's selecting a seed instead from a wide space is from a narrow space, and that that really knocks off a lot of bits from the entropy of the seed. Right. So my point is, I'm not trying to deny trust. Trust is important. It's necessary in real life. So what we do is through the creation process, I'm involved. I'm a coin, I've been a coin maker at BTCC for many years. Right. So with that experience, um, I think I told about I made over 22,000 coins right. at BTCC Mint. I think 
over 8,700 8, 8, bitcoins. bitcoins worth. That's over 80 millions of money today. So I don't, yeah. I didn't retain any of the private keys. I deleted all of it. That why, that's why I know BTC's mint coins will always be safe. I can sleep at night knowing that they can be safe because I deleted the private keys. There's no way I can sweep it even if I had wanted to. Uh huh. Right. Um, for the same reason, we we absolutely delete the private keys. It's like it's like if I were the man, manager of a factory of a Coca Cola bottling plant, I don't want to have have rat poison in my factory. Right. I don't want any risk of rat poison falling into the Coca Cola. For that reason, I delete the private keys. Uh huh. Right. So we use BIP thirty eight. We actually split the manufacturing process. Trace, you might be interested in this. Uh, our headquarters is in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nice. Our U.S. headquarters, and we have a China office in Shanghai. So we do the passphrase creation, the generation of the passphrase in Las Vegas, Nevada. I not I don't just rely on an offline computer with random number generator. I add dice rolls. We do 150 dice rolls on top of it to create the passphrase, and then we create the BIP38 intermediate code, which I bring to China, and that can be transported. That can anyone can see. It. You cannot reverse back. Right. And then the intermediate code gets seeded in to create the the so-called encrypted private key. And for that process, we use we add more entropy. You need entropy for that. And I add manual dice rolls. Nice. Okay. So we, we I think we've done a good job of creating the good entropy for both the passphrase and the encrypted private key. And then there's the secure printing facility and the scratch off and all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe you can talk a little bit about this sticker because this <clears> sticker <throat> is really cool and it's smelly. So, oh, yeah. But the right kind of smelly, not, not the smelly that you can track like on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, we haven't publicized this on a website, but essentially the ballet wallet has a tamper evident silver looking sticker on it. The sticker serves two purposes. The sticker number one is the top of the sticker has the deposit address. This is the world's first wallet that has no setup. Literally, you buy this wallet, you could use it instantly. By you can give it to grandma. You can give them to grandma. You buy it, or she can buy it. You can load bitcoins in there. You're good to go. You can load Litecoin, Ethereum, anything you want. You're good to go. Okay. If it's a primary coin, you don't even need the app. Because, because, well, and if you do have the app, then you're, that's how you're able to manage and see like the all coins. of the all the coins that you got on there. Yeah, and you're relying on someone's node, right? For uh, no, for all these various coins. Oh, we, not, we have our back end. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So that what, what I'm nodes. saying is the users relying on on ballet's uh, nodes that Correct. are then connecting. So it's not yeah. like you're running your own full node of these coins. Uh, there is a little bit of a, you know, the you guys have created the private keys, even though you've asserted that you've destroyed them. Correct. You know, so so there are. It's not. It's not like it's following the 95 page glacier protocol <laughs> but you know for a brand new person who's coming into crypto yeah. or or for giving a 25 dollar gift card to somebody yeah you know that's that's got crypto on it like this is you know the 25 bucks given the amount of security that you can get with this yeah versus the convenience because that's usually the Absolutely. trade-off like yep. Seems seems great, you know, yep. kind of like an AOL disk. Uh, help get internet into people's hands quick. Yep. So this is absolutely. We designed this for new users. We're trying to bring on the next one million, ten million, one hundred million users. Okay. We're talking about regular people. We made a physical. It's a bearer asset. So once you put Bitcoin on this card, because it's a single card, all the private key information is here and it's not replicated anywhere else in the world. It becomes a bearer asset. So you can give this to grandma, give this to your girlfriend, give it to your cousin, weddings, Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, Happy Valentine's Day. Great for gifts. It's a programmable 
Cassatius coin, meaning they could load any amount on there you want. This morning I loaded $10. I could easily load a $1 or $100 or $1,000, even $1 million and hand it to someone. Now, you can think of all sorts of use cases by by loading various amounts of Bitcoin. We can even support stable coins, USDT, USDC. We support all the altcoins and all that stuff. ERC20. Absolutely. Like- yeah, if you have ICO tokens, you can load it here and you can spend it later. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that just zero to 60, super fast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. our objective, to make it, to bring crypto, make it accessible to everyone in the world. And then once people start getting that experience, then they can move on to the more complicated stuff that that doesn't have the yeah. particular risk factors that this could. Yeah. So I, so, so let me go okay. back to the sticker. Yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah, yeah. to tell you so, about that. Yeah, so the, the sticker has the, awesome. has the QR code on it. And the second function is it covers up the encrypted private key on the bottom. So that is actually in yellow. So if you peel off the top sticker, the silver sticker, you'll see a yellow background underneath with a private key. A few things to watch out. We purposely print the private key in real alphabet letters, so it's human readable. So this is a vision-based wallet. There's no electronics in here. I want this to be long-lasting. I want this to last 5, 10, 20, even 50 years. Okay, it's waterproof, mold-proof. Rats will not chew through it. You don't need to laminate it. It's all taken care of. And of course, we have machine-readable QR code. So we have the QR code on front for the address and the QR code underneath for the deposit address. But for the front side, you're talking about the smelling, the, the scent, right? So we actually have, this is something really cool I built into it. On the QR code, we've covered it with a scratch and sniff scent, where if you scratch it, there's a smell. What, do yep. you, what does it smell like? Oh, kind of like a Vegas casino, <laughs> but, but without any smoke. You know, the, the kind of the flowery smell they have, they have in there. I yeah, guess. yeah. So it serves two purposes. One is it's branding. Because smell and memory, people remember this is the smell of ballet wallets. This is the genuine ballet wallets. Just like paper money, U.S. dollars have a smell. Oh, right. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's, it's modeled after that. We want a smell to tie that this is a genuine ballet wallet. The second reason for security-wise is we don't want anyone to cover the QR code sticker with a fake QR code. So by scratching it, if it has a smell, this is a genuine ballet sticker. Yeah, like, a, like an a, a, a different deposit address attack, right? You exactly. You don't want to get that so you need to scratch and sniff yes before you send bitcoin to it <laughs> yeah so uh we we have a built-in a lot of features anti-counterfeiting features anti-tempering features in here like the scratch off uh so it's a combination of scratch off and the sticker those are two different technologies and also the private key encrypted private key is printed here whereas the password is laser etched again this gets around the x-ray issue because if it's laser etched advanced x-rays can can detect Oh, interesting. Right. So you don't want something that's purely laser etched. Ah, so that's why it's a sticker as opposed to just uh, like laser etched or or uh, stamped in or something. Yeah, yeah. So we, we I've, I've given a lot of thought. Yeah, I mean, a lot of details kind of taken care of with this, you know, that you've learned from experience that are, that are needed in the product. Because <laughs> uh, there's not really any substitute for experience in this industry <laughs> yeah 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 that's true um well how about more experienced or power users uh what, what would you have to offer them yeah so uh so great point so power users may want to select their own passphrase so this has been the case before so what we what we will offer we're announcing very shortly we will have a pro series wallet it'll come in blue okay where the user a power user can select their own passphrase, however long, however short they want, and then they use a BIP38 software to create the intermediate code. 
So they would pass us the intermediate code as part of the order process. So they would buy that, pre-order it. And then we would use intermediate code to generate the stickers and the encrypted private key, print it onto secure stickers, and we post it onto the wallet itself. Okay, and we actually print the BIP38, the confirmation phrase. The confirmation phrase is a long series of numbers and letters that allows you, as the owner, to confirm if your passphrase will indeed match and unlock the address. And that's open standard. So you don't even have to use our tool to verify that. We'll give that to you. Hmm. Okay. And the best part is we're going we're to make co- in copies of three. We're going to make three copies of the identical Pro Series wallets for every order. So that way, uh, for the really paranoid, you can keep, you can split up the device into three locations, right? That way, if one place were to go up and get destroyed in a, in a, in whatever accident, you have two backup locations and your passphrase will unlock that private key for those, any of those two. It will be the same deposit address, same encrypted private key, but three copies of it. You have all three copies. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of like a master lock with three keys. Yeah. If you lose one, you still have two to unlock the the, the master lock. Wow, that'd be... And the multi-coin support. Yeah, and you you got multi-coin support like quickly and easily there. What about uh, like insurance? Insurance is something we're looking into. We, we, we're trying to develop a program for that, but we don't have anything to announce yet. No, nothing yet. Nothing yet to announce. Yeah, because yeah, that, that would be kind of cool if these are able to actually function as like a pure bearer asset, kind of like gold. Absolutely. You know, and, then, and then you could uh, have some type of insurance on top of it, too. Um, you know, yeah. that, that could be, especially for other custodians or stuff like that. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge that ballet will need to overcome to be successful? I think it's still, um, it, it goes with the whole big, bigger Bitcoin ecosystem. So today we, we are, we're sort of in this, maybe we're, hopefully we're in the tail end of this Bitcoin winter. Uh, over the last year, I mean, this year, uh, sorry, 2019, this past year, we've seen Bitcoin rise from about $3,000 to end the year at seven, $8,000. And in, in, in the interim, in the middle of the year, it went up to as high, as high as I think 12 or $14,000 around there. So we've seen Bitcoin go up and down. So sort of in the bear market, sort of trading sideways. Now, when Bitcoin is trading sideways, new people don't come in. Yeah, okay. I mean, why? There's no rabbit to chase. <laughs> <laughs> I think, unfortunately, and this is a sad state, it's just a reality. It's that new people come in, FOMO kicks in when the price hits all-time high. Well, it's a Veblen good or a Giffen good. The price goes up and it increases demand. Yeah. People chase the rabbit. Yeah. So I'm, so last year, we were under extreme pressure to bring this product to market to make sure our product is out on the market before the FOMO run. Hey, havening's coming, whether you like yep. it or not. Having's coming. So that's why I'm so excited. This year, 2020, uh, year of the block reward having. Uh, we, we've been waiting for this for, for four years. You know? <laughs> so we're going to have a th- throw a big party for block reward having in May. Um, I'm excited. Now, the price may not actually go up FOMO until six. I Personally, I think it's six or 12 months after the yeah, having. Yeah, but you want to be early. You want to be there. <laughs> so we're going to have the Bally wallets available worldwide. For purchase, and that's and we think that truly, when the FOMO hits in, when new people want to buy their own Bitcoin, they should custody Bitcoin because proof of keys is so important. Trace, I'm so happy by your proof of keys effort because this is exactly why we built this wallet to for people to hold the private keys, cold storage, they custody their own coins. Yeah, well, that's one of the problems I, I found, and I don't blame it. It's you know, it's uh, proof of keys can be daunting, you know, and. And and people need to do their homework. You don't Absolutely. do your you don't do your homework. You're going to get wrecked one of these days. But this can at least help people do 
you know, a good chunk of their homework. Maybe not all of it. They're, you know, they're not doing Glacier Protocol. They're not running a core node. They're not, you know, they're, they're, but they're, they're at least able to go from zero to 60. Exactly. You know, very quickly. Very quickly. And, and, and feel comfortable and safe about it. And yeah. if you got a hundred dollars a Bitcoin, you can put a hundred dollars of thought into securing it. You know, if yeah. you've got ten thousand, you need to put a little bit more yeah. uh, into, of thought into that. Yeah, I think our product is really aimed for the new users. So for all the Bitcoin industry people who are listening to this podcast, everyone who's listening to this are industry people. You own Bitcoin, you own cryptocurrency. Uh, I assume everyone owns cryptocurrency who's listening to this. This wallet is designed for your friends, your family, your neighbors. It's for people who are coming on new. For them to own their first $10, $100, or even $1,000 worth of Bitcoin. And I would be nothing more than proud if our users eventually, through their own education and time, they upgrade to use more fancy digital wallets, hardware wallets, and so on and so forth. But this is the gateway entry drug. Yeah, and it gets them in super quick, cost-effectively, both in time and money. You know, it's not like they're they're going to get analysis paralysis because it takes, <laughs> like, like three days to read the 95 page white paper where they don't even understand any of the words uh you know that are technical jargon right yeah yeah speaking of analysis paralysis that happened to me okay so in 2011 when i first got into bitcoin i had analysis paralysis about how to store my bitcoins i postponed purchasing bitcoin for two years two years absolutely that's a true story i did not buy bitcoin for two years because i couldn't figure out how to store it securely man well it's, it's really sad, right? Well, you miss out on, yeah. on a lot in, of the price appreciation. Yeah. In fact, if know? I didn't have my computer science degree, I might have just gone in and bought Bitcoin in 2011. Right? Because I was, I was, you know, I was nerdy <laughs> like, and geeky. Like, like I, mean, I don't want to lose them. <laughs> exactly. So, so literally I was analyzing, okay, what's the best software? Because back then in 2011, the Bitcoin core software did not even encrypt oh, the wallet file. I know. Remember that? Know, the wallet file was, was in plain text. Yeah. And, and there's a hundred keys that are totally random and not HD. So it's exactly. not like you get a backup with a seed. Yeah. You, you know, th- this, this literally wasn't possible to it wasn't back possible. then. You well, know, well. It, we we had to make our hierarchical deterministic wallets before you could make a a single a single key. Well, yeah. I actually, actually this I guess doesn't this doesn't, this, this doesn't do that. Yeah, it doesn't do the HD. Stuff. That's true. Yeah, but but the thought process w- wasn't possible. I can tell you, like in my nine years of history of Bitcoin, I could I did not think of this prior to last year. Like I I just couldn't. Which has taken this. a lot of different experience, and that, and that's one of the things that that people will find. You need to just get into Bitcoin. In this, in, in gain experience in it. And then you learn like what you're doing and how to do stuff. And like, you don't have to do it perfect right off the bat. Correct. You know, like you got to stumble and like figure out how to do stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully you don't lose any coins while you do so. Yeah. Or it becomes quite an education uh, experience for you. (laughs) Yeah. I, over the years, I've seen so many people lose real coins, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin due to mismanagement. Of their wallets, yeah. Of their passphrase, you know, you could be the smartest person, you could think you have the best memory, but the reality is, human memory, brain chemistry is actually fallible. Oh yeah, people forget. True story. Last month, December, I had a hardware wallet with a pin code. It gave me three chances to type in the pin code. I blew it. I typed it. I typed it in wrong all three times. It wiped the device. Oh my gosh! Happened to me. Happened to me. Now, thankfully, I had the backup, the root recovery seat. But that was in a different location. I had literally, it took me another week 
to get access to the recovery seat to back to pull out the recovery well, you're seat. You're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. So, and also the other thing I learned from EMC, my previous company for storage, is a backup is not a backup unless you've tested it. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, right. That's if why you write down the recovery seeds for your hardware or software wallet until you restore from the backup, that's not a valid backup. Right. So most people just write it down without ever recover, without actually re- trying the recovery. They may have chicken scratch handwriting. They may have the words wrong, the spelling wrong, and then they're really screwed. They find out later. Yeah, I mean that's why uh, we we had you printed it off uh, with Armory. That's right. That's you right. Know, I remember that the and, secure printing. F- yeah, and then feature. we then we yeah, had a secure awesome. print feature in case you didn't trust your printer. Yep. Uh, but yeah, and and you know, one of the things I like to do is I actually have a, a totally separate device that I then restore the backup on. Yeah. You know, just in case. You know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, because I, you know, I'm just kind of overly paranoid when yeah. it comes to all this stuff. I, I'm very paranoid too. I the ethos is in me. Uh, our model, our our model, the the mobile app is available on iOS, Android, Google Play. It's actually a watch only mo- app. So for the technical people out there, it's a watch only wallet. When you scan the Bally wallet with a mobile app, the wallet software does not get any credentials. Meaning you could lose the app, it could get hacked, you could delete it, you could upgrade your iPhone and not forget forget to reinstall the app. You will not lose your coins because the coins are stored physically on the card itself. On the card. So the card is a better instrument, don't lose it. And can you import the, the private key into the into the mobile app and, and turn the mobile app into a, a hot wallet? No, we don't do that. We to, As of today, the feature set, we purposely do not allow the, the mobile wallet software to store the keys. Well, how do you uh, how do you send a transaction then? Okay, so when you send a transaction, what you do is that you, have you to, you're, you're creating a bunch of hodlers. <laughs> <laughs> so to send a transaction, you could you, you could I guess that you could use open source Bit thirty eight, or we've built this really nice slick mobile app, and you scan the wallet, and essentially you have to fertilize the egg and the sperm. So you scratch off the passphrase on the bottom, and you also peel off the sticker of the top, and you reveal the encrypted private key. So the mobile app will walk you through the process. It will ask you who do what coins you want to send. To whom do you want to send it to? What amount? And then it'll ask you for the passphrase and this and the encrypted private key, and they'll sign the transaction and let you review it uh-huh. before you click send. But by the time you, it shows you to let you review it, it has already signed the transaction and deleted the private key information from memory. Oh, okay. so it doesn't store it more than whatever nanoseconds it takes to sign the transaction. So when you press send, then it broadcasts the transaction onto the public blockchain for whatever coin you're sending. So it's completely a watch-only wallet. Obviously, so it's techni- not it's not able to import the private key and then like it doesn't operate hold it in memory. and then and then operate it as a as a hot wallet. We we choose forward. we choose not to do that due to security because if we did that if we did the brain transplant with the private keys into the mobile app then the mobile app is a hot device right right then it could get stolen could get hacked yeah right I because mean, we, users our, might want to use it that way though yeah but but for our users we tell people. You know, if if you want more advanced functionality, there are better wallet solutions yeah. out there. This exactly. is for the this is for the we designed this for the for the newcomer, right? And um, yeah, but, but we have we do have a feature where we can import paper wallets or other ballet cards. So this is really good uh, for old timers who have paper wallets with their bitcoins from pre fork days. You know, you have bitcoin, oh, yeah. bitcoin and, cash, and you just bitcoin don't SV. Want to run everything. Yeah. So it's been a hassle how to pull out the forks. So if you buy a Bally physical wallet with a mobile app, you can import the paper wallet. It'll sort out all your fork coins. It'll show them nicely, show you the market value. And then from that, you can then peel the Bally wallet and send it out selectively. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. And even, for example, he, he's a reality. What if there's pe- replay attack? On Exa- exactly. Because so, so, they're clowns. Yeah, exactly. So B, uh, Bitcoin SV and Bitcoin Cash apparently do not have uh, repl- uh, what is it called? Replay protection. Re- replay protection. Okay, they don't have replay protection for their ideological reasons. Um, so we actually detect that and we will add dust to the transaction so that you can send out your Bitcoin Cash or send out your Bitcoin SV without both coins going to the same destination. Oh, that's true. Yeah, nice. because I've seen people run into that problem before. Um, I've seen people deposit Bitcoin Cash into a BTC address, could not get it out, stuff like that. So we, we have really thought this through to pr- protect the new users from making dumb mistakes. Nice. That's, you know, any anything that can help them not fall in the ditch, right? Yeah, fall in the ditch. <laughs> um, what do you hope to achieve in like five to ten years? Like what's success look like for ballet? So for me, I'm – so after selling my company and also from being an early Bitcoin investor, I'm financially independent uh, as you can imagine. Um, so I could retire. Heaven forbid we have a bunch of honey badgers like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I could retire honestly, but uh, but that's boring. So the reason I launched this company is to bring cryptocurrency to the mass market. I'd love – well, I'd love to see the world adopt Bitcoin as a digital asset, as cryptocurrency. Even if it's not Bitcoin, it's cryptocurrency in general. And obviously, it might help me financially. Bitcoin prices go up, but it's going to happen regardless. So I really want more people to be able to manage their wallets and manage their private keys. So for success for us in five years is is many of the new users get introduced to Bitcoin cryptocurrency because – through the ballet wallet. This is the this is the easiest way for a new user to hold on to cryptocurrency, invest mm-hmm. in it. Nice. Um, what other trends do you see like coming down the pipeline? You old grizzled veteran of Bitcoin, like what's what's next in this space that has unlimited entertainment value? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously on the regulation side, I think more and more countries will look at what what they call government uh, issued digital currencies, stable coins, stable or coins. central bank digital yeah. currencies, central bank digital currencies. Yeah, essentially there there will be a version. It's this version of stable. So stable coins today are managed and operated and launched by companies, corporations like USDC, USDT, and so on. So governments could do it at the government level, like the Federal Reserve, the China's People Bank, People Bank of China, or the European Central Bank. They could launch digital versions of their paper money. So think about paper money. Think think about fiat currency. It started as coins. Like metal coins, silver, copper, bronze coins, and they evolve into paper money. These are notes, paper notes. Some are made of cloth fiber, like the U.S., and then evolve into polymer notes. These are notes made of plastic material. And then the fourth step is to have digital versions of that. Now, a digital central bank issued digital currency will still be fiat money because the supply. Interest rate policy will still be controlled by them because they're just making it up. Yeah, they're making it up. So the only difference is the medium has changed from a physical coin to a piece of paper why? to a piece of plastic to a, a should, private why, key why, in your phone. Why, why would you? Why would you? Why would we want to use their altcoin? I, I don't want to. I, don't I mean, want it, to. it's the 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 source code is is hidden. The emission rate is unknown. Exactly, and uh, they still have rights to confiscate and stop your transactions. Yeah, I mean, this it sounds like a bad scam coin. I mean, it's worse than a Bitcoin SV. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a big fan of cryptocurrency, like true cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin, decentralized, limited, central, uh, central c- censorship resistant, censorship resistant, uh, fungible, 
right? Well, people, we, not not Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just pseudonymous, not truly fungible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Section Ten in the Bitcoin white paper, you know, like you're supposed to keep your your public key anonymous if you want to have privacy with Bitcoin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so that you know, there there are things like this where we can do stuff below the 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 base layer in a very anonymous way using using tools like this. Yeah, because literally you can. Load up this and give it to someone as a gift. Yeah, gift card. Right. Gift and, card. And there's no record on the blockchain of Absolutely. that transaction happening. Yeah, and then they can give it on to someone else. And they know that as long as that sticker hasn't been peeled back, that it hasn't been tampered with, right? Yep. So whatever Bitcoin stash you have, you could, for example, let's say I want to give you a certain amount of Bitcoin. I could load up to 10 separate cards in various amount, in varying amounts or same amount and give it to you, and you can then give it out to other people. Right, so this kinda, is kind of like way. bills, kind of like yeah, kind of like yeah. paper money, like bills. Yeah, you get change. Did you know? did you do any of this like with the uh, with the um, the coins with the B- BTC mint, mint? The, like yeah. the coins and the blocks and like I mean these these block rewards uh, the, those are cool. Maybe you can tell like that. Yeah, story. so so um, a BTC mint. The the cool thing I I, I was a coin maker from 2016 to 2018. So we made a series of one bitcoins. Uh, I have a sample here. I'll show you. The, it's made of titanium. We made larger ones like the five Bitcoin and also the largest one we made were the blocks. The full blocks were were square, sort of eight centimeters by eight centimeters, one centimeter thick. They're the full block reward and all the coins in BTCC Mint, the unique thing is they were all mined by the BTCC pool. That means all the Bitcoins in there were virgin from the Coinbase reward of a block. So there is no history other than the Coinbase. Exactly. Us. So each... So every BTCC mint coin, they're all collector's items. They're all sold out, you know, over 20,000 coins and poker chips. They're all sold out. Every BTC value in them. By the way, many of them have four coin values because they were pre, pre-having. Um, they all have the, uh, they're all from the Coinbase raw transaction. So they all belong to a certain block, the block reward, whether it was 25 BTC or whether it was 12 and a half BTC. So that they were used from the block reward. So it was amazing like that. Yeah, man, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so we're thinking of doing that for ballet. So we're thinking if there's enough interest, we could create a block that's made by ballet that has new coin from the mining pool. Uh, and it would have, if it's before May of 2020, it would have 12 and a half or more BTC in it, including all the tra- all the transaction fees. So it's a unique, like a, like a gold nugget. Every block is unique. And then after May, it would come down to six and a quarter. Yeah, so much fun. Like... We got to make it make it fun in the industry, right? Like yeah. Add some collectible stuff, some stuff that's like easily transferable without any history to it. Like let's have some fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Private keys, getting to hold them, <laughs> like secure devices, like all this type of stuff. Yeah, I I, I love this space. I love this space. I think uh, it's such uh, such a. Uh, it's just so great that to be part of the Bitcoin community. What what really drives you with it? I mean, like with, with me, it's monetary sovereignty. You know, like I mean, what's it? Yeah, what, what's kind of I, I driving call it, you? Maybe what I'm going to say is similar to what you have said. I, I call what drives me is freedom of money. What what I mean by that is the notion is you know I'm, I'm a, a naturalized U.S. citizen. So my parents are from China, uh, Hong Kong, and uh, I grew up. I was born in Africa, the Ivory Coast. So a small, oh my gosh, they, uh, they, they've had their trouble. Yeah, a small country in West Africa used to be a French colony, um, and. So obviously my, my, my history, my grandparents, immigrants and all that, they, they've traveled to many parts of the world as businessmen. So I've seen 
you know, people trying to move money, move gold bars, and all so on and so forth. And we and in the late '90s, we emigrated to the United States and became naturalized U.S. citizens. And I'm so proud to be an American now. Uh, I love I love being American. I think the Constitution is underrated. Not Pe- to me. Uh, well, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, it, it, during school we all learn about the Constitution, right? But, but these days, as an adult, I appreciate it so much more than what I learned in the school. You're right. I think I think I did a bad job of really understanding it when I was young in high school, and today I realize, oh my gosh, the Constitution is so awesome. Because I, my family now we live in China for business and family reasons. Yeah. Right. So living in China as an American, I really appreciate the U.S. Constitution so much more and the Bill of Rights. Uh-huh. Right, the Second Amendment, the uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, you know, freedom, the criminal, just, just the criminal all the freedom. Due process yeah, the, of the exactly. Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendment, innocent until proven guilty, no cruel I mean, and unusual punishment, exactly. no, no taking your kidneys in the U.S. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So that's why I'm so proud to be to be to be an American passport holder. People say, "Oh, Bobby, you should you should quit the citizenship so you can save on the taxes." But I have thought about it, but I have refused to do that because. Me paying the taxes is is the f- cost for me to have that freedom, right? Regardless if you're voting every year, every four years, as an American, we have all these rights that not many people in the world have. Yeah, and, you know, we should be grateful for this. Um, you know, out of the, the 55 or so that attended the Constitutional Convention and the approximate 55 or so that signed the Declaration of Independence, I'm related to 30% of them. Wow, like, that's awesome. Like, their bloods inside of me, you know, That's awesome. they, yeah. they, so, they, so they decided have, yeah. to go up against that, exactly. that monarchy, exactly. you know, and they're, and they're trudging through the snow with bloody feet and they're crossing the Delaware. Yeah. And like now, you know, some people don't, don't appreciate, don't it. appreciate that. It's so, I mean, yeah. bo- both of my grandfathers stormed Normandy beach on D-Day. Wow. Omaha beach and Utah beach. Yeah. We have to you fight know, for like, it. like, yeah. like if you want, if you want your freedom, how bad do you want it? Yep. You know, previous generations they fought for it. Yep. And and it was painful and it was bloody. And this is war for monetary Absolutely. sovereignty. Absolutely. This is war for for these rights. And you know, we we're talking about freedom of speech. We're talking about uh, freedom from con- you know confiscation. Yep. Yep. You know, searches and seizures. Unwanted search and seizures. You know, yep. We're talking about. Uh, Monetary provisions like no state shall emit bills of credit or make anything but gold and silver a legal tender. Yep. You know, the, these are all essential rights uh, that, that are enshrined in the Constitution. That's the, the, the supreme law of the land. And Bitcoin fits right into all of that. Absolutely. So to me, I, I call it freedom of money. I think the idea that we as people, especially as citizens of, of the United States, we as Americans, we should have freedom of money. Where think about what money is. Money is essentially a proof of my past work. So whether it's a summer internship or labor. full-time fruit of my labor, right? Because the fruit of my labor is money we have today. And the value of money is a is a reward for my labor. So if someone so I should be able to preserve that value. The pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Like, what are I you should, be able, I should to decide do? I think I should what are you be able, do with it. Yeah, I should just, I should be able to decide whether I spend that value today. Or save it for tomorrow, but knowing that tomorrow or next year, ten years later, that value should not be diminished. It should not be usurped from me without my permission. I should pay my due taxes, but I shouldn't get that that value of my money denied and taken away from me 
through inflation Con- and bad monetary policy. Con- confiscation through inflation, that's a form of taxation without representation or due process yep. of law. And it's a completely unconstitutional system because the federal government's given no power to make anything legal tender, let alone a Federal Reserve note that's issued behind closed doors with closed source software with an emission rate that we have no idea what it is. Yes. Like, you know, this is this is an unconstitutional monetary system that's oppressing people by by stealing the fruits of their labor. Yeah. I, I today I just saw a, a image, I forgot where. It was a it was a snapshot of McDonald's hamburger prices in the nineteen seventies. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like thirty Reddit. cents, you know, fifty cents. Right. And today, McDonald's, I think, I think last week I had a quarter pounder with cheese. I paid $10 for that quarter pounder and cheese meal. And one day, I kid you not, someone's going to pay $50 for a quarter pound and cheese meal at McDonald's. Yeah. yeah and that's I mean. just, that's just wrong. Right. That if I, if I, if I'm earning minimum wage or whatever, that $50 today can buy me a steak dinner, whereas $50 tomorrow can only get me a McDonald's meal. Yeah. And how do you save? And, and how do you accumulate capital? And capital becomes our productive base that allows us to be, be able to, to raise the standard of living of everybody, you know, because we're, we're being more efficient with, with the use of, of tools and all these things. Yeah, so capital formation, that's what lifts us out of poverty, uh, capital formation and property rights. Yeah. And, and what, Monetary what rights. more essential property right is there than the right to money? The right to money, yeah. Well, thanks so much for being uh, right in the middle of the fight. Uh, you know, General, uh, General Lee, uh, CEO, founder of uh, BTC China, formerly the largest uh, and longest running Bitcoin exchange at the time. Yeah. And also now the, the founder and CEO of uh, Ballet Crypto. You're not just riding off into the sunset with your, your cowboy hat. You know, you're getting back on the field. Yep. And you're, and you're deciding. Trying to make a difference. You're, you're arming people. You know, yeah, you're yeah. arming people with with the tools that they need to fight this war. Absolutely, you absolutely. Know? I think this would be very popular in many of the third world countries in South America. People can really hold on to the crypto because they don't want their money to go through government inflation. Well, you mentioned Africa. Africa, Africa too. Africa's a bank account. The fees on a bank account are as much as your cell phone subscription annually. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. You, it's like two hundred dollars a year for uh, for bank account fees, and you can get you know one of these. Wallets for kind of fraction. Yeah, we sell these for thirty five dollars. Thirty five bucks. Yep. Th- thirty five bucks. You're up and running in five minutes. Yep. Like, and, and you've got the watching only wallet on your phone. Boom. Yeah. So like, easy. Wow. <laughs> easy, safe, and reliable. It's really built to be reliable over time. Well, thanks for uh, th- thanks for getting more uh, crypto weapons and arming everybody with them. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and defensive armors. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for being with us. We've had the legendary uh, Bobby Lee, CEO of Ballet Wallet. Okay, thank you, Trace. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.